Thank you, John. Good morning to everybody. What a blessing to be together here at this time together to worship God and to study his word and to grow spiritually together. So thankful, thankful for our visitors. We always are thankful for our visitors in a special way. Regular members on an ongoing basis, but our visitors, you're special. Thank you for being here. We pray that you will be pleased and that you will grow spiritually, be encouraged and strengthened spiritually by being here with us. And we always try to say, if you have any questions about anything you see us do or hear us say or teach, please ask us. We just want to be the church that we all read about in the Bible. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Good to have Tim McLean with us. Uh, Tim and Kimber were members of the congregation uh, quite a number of years before Tim retired from the, uh, I guess, civilian life after the Air Force, and then they moved back to Wyoming or Montana? Montana. Okay, I always get the two states mixed up in my head. So good to have him back visiting with us back in town. And uh, Kimber's having some uh, health problems right now. She can't be with us, and uh, please be praying for her. I want us to think about the basis for our... Excuse me, dropped, uh, dropped my stick here. So, I want us to think about the basis for our worshiping God, our following Jesus, our keeping the teachings of God's word in a faithful and obedient way on a consistent basis. I think a lot of people, they, they think, you know, I've got to do this. I've just got to do this. Well, why? Well, because I've got to do this. It's what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, I've told the story different times over the years. I remember talking to a young man when I was still in college, and he was talking to me about he had become basically unfaithful as far as attending church services were concerned. And he explained to me, I thought, I thought that if I didn't go to church services, I'd get struck by lightning or something like that. And he said, uh, nothing happened. And so that was a cue for him, I don't have to go to church services. I don't have to be there to worship God. I don't have to be there with the church. And then I remember a member of the Lord's Church many years later when I was preaching in southern Louisiana, and she ran into a young man who had grown up in the Lord's Church, and, but he had fallen away. He had become unfaithful. He was working a job. She ran into him in a grocery store, I believe, and she recognized him, and she talked to him and said, you know, why, why you know, don't you come back? And his answer was, because everything's okay. Well, what were the bases for those two individuals and a whole lot of individuals like them? What was their real basis for being dedicated to God and following his teachings and living by those teachings? Love is the basis. It's supposed to be. But it apparently was not sufficiently in their minds and in their hearts. In 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, Peter wrote this. He says, The elders who are among you I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, because Peter was also an apostle, divinely appointed, walked with Jesus among the other apostles for a period of about three years, while Jesus was here in his, on this earth in his public ministry. So a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. 
He tells then elders of the Lord's church in whatever congregation in which they might be elders, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. In other words, by the way you live your life before them, the example you set before the congregation. And when the chief shepherd appears, speaking of Christ, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And so he's saying, our Lord and Savior is watching. God, our Father, is watching. Do the work that you have been commissioned to do, basically, appointed to do, as being a shepherd within the congregation, an overseer from a spiritual perspective to make sure the congregation is going in the right direction, teaching the truth always of God's word, not compromising that truth at all. Make sure that you're leading them as shepherds within that congregation effectively, properly, and accurately, faithfully to God's word. So elders and preachers often recognize needs within a congregation, spiritual weakness in the part of some members. They recognize that maybe there are works that need to, pursued, need to be pursued by the congregation, outreach, teaching that needs to be done, whatever it might be, a whole number of things. And so they try to address those needs, but often it seems to no avail. It seems like they're not getting anywhere. I remember a preacher visiting with us just a few months ago from a congregation in the general area around here. And he was talking about how he was coming. He says, I, I think he said, I'm trying to see if I can pick up some points. Since COVID, the congregation where he preaches, he said, you know, I'm trying to get them interested again in being back on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, but I'm not getting any interest. Well, okay, so why? Why? So a lot of times elders and preachers, they see needs, they see weaknesses, they try to address those, but it seems like they're not getting anywhere. And it can be frustrating and even, you know, discouraging at times. So what do they do? A weakness in dedication can show itself in a lot of different ways. A couple of those would be simply lack of Bible study, haphazard attendance. It can go on beyond that, though. It can go poor giving. Uh, lack of mode of involvement, lack of evangelism, gossip could set in, flick conflict within the congregation, and then outright unfaithfulness. So elders and preachers, they recognize these needs, and a lot of times in the early stages of those needs, and so they pull out a whole bunch of scripture, they start teaching to address those particular needs that they're perceiving are there within a congregation over which they're overseers, over which they are supposed to be spiritual leaders. And so they start teaching on those needs. And, and so they're really hammering away with these, scripture, with these scriptural lessons. And that's good. That's important. But it seems like a lot of times those who are dedicated, they start to feel guilty. And the ones who really need that teaching, they just kind of ignore it and go on doing what they've been doing. And so that becomes discouraging as well. In Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 1, the Apostle Paul talks about the real solution to our not just 
becoming Christians, but to growing spiritually as Christians and to being the faithful, dedicated, dedicated Christians that we need to be. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, live this life. Don't just talk about it. Don't just, just wear a name, but live this life. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. This is where we get caught up. And remember those two young men I used by way of illustration, they got caught up in the ways of the world, I think we can logically conclude. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Transformed. I remember when the toys Transformers first came out, my boys were young at that time, probably around 10 years old or so. And those toys, they just kind of took the young kids by storm. Everybody wanted Transformers. And they were really cool. You took, took, picked those up and, and it looks like you're holding a truck and toy truck in your hand or a toy car in your hand. But then you start moving some of the parts and all of a sudden it becomes a big robot. Amazing. Well, they went on and made a number of movies about Transformers as well. And so we understand we understand the principle of transforming something from one, one appearance or one reality to another. So Paul says, look, you're Christians. If you're not yet become a Christian, you really need to take that step. You need to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins. Because you cannot be transformed without doing that first. But even as Christians, if you're struggling with the, with the allurements of sin or the allurements of worldliness, then he says, you need to be transformed. You need to look within, you need to focus. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't go along with the way the world around you is living, but you be those spiritual followers of Christ that he died on that cross for you to become. Get that new focus. So just laws alone, and boy, we passed so many laws, I don't think anybody knows how many laws there are in our country. And every year, the lawmakers, whether they're local or state or, or federal, they keep passing more laws. Again, I don't think anybody knows all those laws. But those laws, why did they keep passing those laws? Because laws alone do not change society they're looked upon as just being laws. Why do I have to obey those laws? Because you could get arrested if you don't. Or you could get sued, or you could be put in jail. You could be fined. Well, if that's the same mindset that somebody has about following God's teachings, living the Christian life, if they look at those as simply being spiritual laws that we have to follow, well, look at those two young men I used by way of illustration. The one said I didn't get struck by lightning when I stopped showing up at church services. The other one said everything's okay. Now, they were speaking from a physical and worldly perspective. But they didn't get struck dead. Wow, so I don't have to obey that. Everything's okay in their mind. Well, but in God's mind, everything was not okay. 
And so we need to understand if we're just looking at God's instructions, his teachings, his commandments as spiritual laws to make us behave ourselves, we're not going to stay faithful as Christians. Probably, for the most part, we're, we're eventually going to get tired of that. We're going to become numbed to that, and we're going to walk away. So what, what is the solution? How, does, how do we become transformed in our minds? How do we live that transformed, spiritually transformed Christian life that God sent his son to bring us the message as to how to become? How to look forward with confidence to eternal life with him in heaven? It comes down to a matter of love. That's ultimately what it comes down to, a matter of love. Why do I want to live by God's teachings? Because first, John said, God loved me, so I love God. I want to love God. That's why I want to follow him. I love Jesus. That's why I want to follow his teachings. It ultimately comes down to a matter of love. God loved us first. We look at John chapter 3 and verse 16, one of the most familiar verses in the entire Bible. How does it begin? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, sacrificed him on that cross. Literally brutal, torturous kind of execution. But God sent him there out of love. Jesus went there out of love allowed his physical life to be taken. He didn't have to do that. He told Pilate, the Roman governor, I could pray to my father, he'll send 10 legions of angels to defend me. But that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to go to that cross. And so he went to that cross. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, and that kind of belief is inherently understood as, as including obedience should not perish but have everlasting life. Beginning with Romans chapter 5 and verse 6 and then dropping down to verses 8 through 10, Paul wrote about this love of God. He said, for when we were still without strength, in due time, at the right time, Christ died for the, not the good people, because there is no one good outside of Christ. Christ died for the ungodly. He paid that price for the sinners, for the worst of the worst. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, his own love toward us. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, still in a state, in a state of sinfulness, Christ died for us. God in love sent Jesus to that cross. Jesus, in love, went to that cross as our Savior. And then Paul goes on and says much more than holding, having now been justified by his blood, we will be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were still enemies, when we were enemies of God, is the understanding, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9, the Apostle John writes along this line. I want to turn over there and read that. 
1 John chapter 4 and verse 9. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, or demonstrated, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That we might live through him. God loved us first, and he demonstrated that so mightily. Now, true love for Jesus, then, will motivate us to be obedient to his teachings, to live according to his instructions given to us in the Bible, in God's word. That's God's very word. So if we truly love Jesus, that love will motivate us to be obedient to him, to follow him faithfully, actively. And so when we say, well, I'm, I'm not doing, we start making excuses, we start finding, you know, in our mind loopholes to get out of being obedient, faithful, dedicated, consistent Christians, we've got a problem with our love. Because true love for Jesus will motivate us to be obedient to him. He said on the night of his betrayal, he's going to be on the cross the next day. John 14 and verse 15, he's with the apostles in the upper room. And he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The sense being, if you truly love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Do you see obedience, faithful dedication, consistent lifestyle connected with loving Jesus, truly loving God and Christ? Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And then verse 24, he says, he who does not love me does not keep my words. In other words, is not obedient to my teachings. God loved us first. And now we are to love him in, res in response. How do we love God? We live for God. We live obedient to his teachings. We live in such a way that he's got that home prepared for us. We look a little further and we look in 1 John chapter 2, beginning with verse 4. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, John, writing God's very word as an inspired writer and apostle of Jesus Christ, he says, whoever says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar. Now, a lot of people, they would say, I'm not a liar. They might get mad. Hey, don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. That's his word. He's the one saying it. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. We demonstrate our love for God by living for God, by walking with him faithfully, obediently, consistently, by serving him through dedication, commitment, and so on. By this we know that we are in him. He who abides in him also ought to walk just as he walked. Jesus came and gave us the ultimate example of faithfulness to God. 1 John 5 and verse 3, this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. That we keep his commandments. In 2 John chapter, only one chapter in that short letter, verse 6, this is love that we walk according to his commandments. Over and over and over again, we've seen the same instruction, the same truth being communicated to us. If we truly love God, if we truly love Jesus, that love will motivate us to be obedient to their teachings, to God's word, faithfulness, and faithfulness 
includes obedience. Faithfully enduring temptation without succumbing to it, walking away from it, not giving in to the sin the devil keeps trying to lure us into, that is a mark of love. In James chapter 1, verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, basically the same message, but under a broader umbrella, Paul facing what appears to be imminent execution, he says, I've, I've kept the faith. I've, I've, I've walked the walk. And that demonstrates love for God and for Christ. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. He's talking about eternal life in heaven, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to those who have loved his appearing. So people who continually proclaim and maybe loudly or emphatically or with great emotion, I love the Lord, but they're living in unfaithfulness to him. They're not living by his teachings. They need to go back to the drawing board, so to speak, and understand the principle of truly loving God, of truly loving Jesus. That love will help us to be obedient to his teachings. So a lack of dedication that results in not obeying the teachings of Jesus ultimately comes down to the reality that we have a weakness in our love for Jesus. We need to accept, we need to understand, we need to grasp that reality. If I'm not living by his teachings, if I'm not living faithfully, and that's not just saying I believe in him, but that's living the faithful life of Christian dedication, then I've got a problem with my love for Jesus. It comes down to a matter of weakness in my love. So what do I do? How can I address that? How can I correct that? Well, one thing I need to get into God's word. I probably need to get in God's word a whole lot more than I am because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So the apostle Paul wrote, be diligent. <clears throat> King James Version says, study to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why do I need to know that word? Why do I need to have a basic good grasp of what the Bible teaches? Because that's our guidebook. That teaches us about who God is, about who Christ is, about their love for us. And Jesus said also in John chapter 12 and verse 48, he who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So I'm going to stand accountable before my Lord in the final day of judgment, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. And I'm going to have to give a reason why I have not been living by the teachings of his word that God purposefully guided inspired writers to write accurately and, co and correctly so that it would be God's very word they were putting down on, on the page. So I need to get into God's word. If I've got a problem with my faithfulness, with my dedication, 
If, I got, if I've got a problem with my love for my Lord and Savior and my God and Father, then I need to get into God's word and help strengthen my faith, become stronger spiritually. When we think about, do I need to be at church services? Well, haphazard attendance, sporadic attendance at church services is one of the most basic barometers that indicate weakness in one's love for the Lord. I love, for the, I love the Lord. Are you there to worship him? Are you there to study his word? Are you there to be with the rest of your brothers and sisters in Christ? Strengthen them and be strengthened by them. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. He who, he who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works by being with my brothers and sisters in Christ, worshiping God, studying their word, singing songs of praises to God, praying together, that's going to strengthen my love for God, for Christ. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. How can I be strengthened by my brothers and sisters in Christ if I'm not with my brothers and sisters in Christ? And the Hebrews writer pinpoints that kind of self-help, so to speak, self-encouragement to each other, brothers and sisters in Christ, to being together as they come to worship God. You know, David wrote this in Psalm 122 in verse 1. He said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Because for several generations, his family was prohibited from going into the house of the Lord. Now, they believed in God. David believed in God with all of his heart. But now, he was the generation, the next generation that was allowed to go into the house of the Lord. And he said, I was glad when they told me that. I can go now. We need to be together. We need to be worshiping God together. We need to be in his word together, studying. We need to encourage one another by being together as we come together to worship God. And God has continually called us to express our love for him through worshiping him in our giving from all of the material blessings that he has blessed us with to begin with. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then if we're not living that basic life of faithfulness on a consistent, continuous basis, how can we say that we love God? How can we say that we truly love Jesus? Jesus said, be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. It's a lifestyle that we're instructed to live and not just words that we're supposed to say. The words are important, but they have to be, they, they have to be uh, supported by the lifestyle of being a true Christian. So we need to get past just spoken love, and we need to begin to live our life for Jesus Christ, demonstrating our love for him and for God. In Ephesians 4 and verse 15, Paul said, speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Speaking the truth in love. We need to 
not just look for God to love us, but we need to respond to his love for us by loving him, by loving him. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18, John the apostle wrote, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, just spoken love, but in deed and in truth, in the way we live, in our lifestyle. Now, I want you to think for a moment. Think about the marriage relationship. A couple gets married. They are committing their lives to one another. Why? They love each other so deeply, so sincerely, that they have come to make up their minds, I don't want to live without you any longer. I want us to be husband and wife. And so they're married. And then somewhere along the line, the husband starts cheating on the wife or the wife starts cheating on the husband. And then it becomes known to the other spouse. And they confront their either husband or wife about their cheating on them with somebody else. And the one who has been guilty of that fornication, they express their sorrow and they express their love for their spouse. I love you. And they promise, I'll never do it again. Please forgive me. But then they do it again. And they do it again. And they do it again. We understand what ultimately results, don't we? The marriage falls apart. Divorce enters the picture. Because one spouse was cheating on the other. Ephesians chapter 5 portrays the relationship of the Christians who make up the church to being married to Christ spiritually. Are you cheating on Jesus? Are you cheating on Jesus by following the devil through his temptations into sins of various kinds? And sometimes it's just a matter of not being faithful, not being dedicated. Are you cheating on Jesus? We come back to Romans chapter 12 and beginning with verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies the way you live, your life, a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service because God loved you first. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed as you were baptized into Christ, as you became a Christian, by the renewing of your mind. What I said, how do we overcome that lack of love? One way, basic way, we get back into God's word because faith comes by hearing the word of God that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Are you struggling with your dedication? You need to change from the inside out. You need to stop and analyze 
God has loved me so much. Every truly good thing I have in this world is a blessing from God. James 1 and verse 17. I need to give my life to him. He gave the life of his son for me. I need to give my life to him. And so here's the encouragement that comes from God. Love Jesus truly. Obey his teachings sincerely. And be his dedicated, faithful, shining light followers, Christians. If you need to come to him in repentance, being baptized for the remission of your sins into him, thereby being reborn spiritually, we encourage you to take that step. If you want to talk about that, if you want to study about it some more, we're here. Just ask us. We'll help you. If you need the prayers of the church, having become a Christian, but having kind of gotten off track, then we'd love to pray with you and for you. If you'll step forward and let us know or talk with us privately. If you need to come, God loves you so much. Love him back as we stand together and sing.